Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the podcast where we reevaluate bad films through a leftist perspective. I'm Nick, and I'm Lewis, and coming at you from the evil USSR is our movie today, Red Heat. Yeah, directed by Walter Hill of Warriors fame. Uh, <laughs> this film is made in 1988. It is uh, a pretty late entry in the kind of like uh, red baiting cinema of the US. It's it's and it's a little different than a lot of those too. Mhm. And wasn't this the first movie that was filmed in the first US movie filmed in Moscow? Yes, yes, they apparently they got some kind of permit to film in Red Square and then uh they weren't able to film or they didn't get a permit to film elsewhere so they just like did some guerrilla style film making uh just they threw Arnie in a suit <laughs> and just like yeah made him trot around in front of like the red guard or something <laughs> yeah i mean the the movie literally opens and closes with a few like pickup shots in Red Square and that's it and, and, and the rest of the movie looks like it's filmed on a set. The, the Russian scenes, anyway. Yeah, I know they filmed in Budapest. Uh, yes, that too. And a few other, like, Eastern European countries as, as stand-ins. But yeah, so it, uh, it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Jim Belushi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll get to that later. Uh, yeah, we will. Uh, Peter Boyle, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Edo Ross, and Gina Gershon uh, in in probably the most thankless role in the film. Uh, n- n- no shocker there, guys. Starring is, is doing a lot of heavy lifting for some of those names. Here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, as Lewis was saying, this is um, a pretty peculiar peculiar uh, entry in the, the red baiting, I don't know if you'd call it genre, but like tendency of movies in the 80s um this movie came out in 1988 which um was just three short years before the dissolution of the ussr um and very palpable in this movie is is the warming u.s russia relations um there there are some like anti anti anti-communist jokes and comments throughout the movie but like nothing that's like red dawn you know like like the 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 soviets are presented as, as more like Oh, they're goofy and they're weird and they're kind of like they're kind of stoic, but they're they're just like us. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the the most stark contrast you can make between this film and films such as Red Dawn, um, you know, and other films of of that era, like uh, I know there's there's one film no one really talks about, but it seems fucking batshit. Uh, it's called Invasion USA with Chuck Norris. Like, look up that movie, oh folks. God. Like, it's basically Red Dawn but on steroids. I, I, I have seen reviews and like clips of that movie. Um, <laughs> it, it's crazy. They, they storm the beach. It's like it's like the entire Soviet bloc, like like this militia formed of like Cubans <laughs> and Russians and Georgians, just like storming a beach. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so the, the stark contrast between films like this uh, film, and then you know, there's like we said, the Red Dawns, the Invasion USA. Rocky Four, Rambo Three, uh, yada yada, is that in this film we don't have someone like the the character Arnold Schwarzenegger plays uh, Lieutenant Danko. We don't have him like defecting to the U.S. at the end. We don't have right. him uh, actually saying that he loves capitalism or anything like that. I was I was shocked that he didn't defect at the end. Yeah. Yeah, and we could talk about that a little bit more, but uh, yeah. suffice it to say, it is not overtly 
anti-communist, not overtly anti-USSR. Right. Um, and I mean, contrast that with a lot of the popular media that's being put out today. <laughs> like um, <laughs> What? Like infam- infamously Stranger Things 3, or Stranger Things Season 3. Um, I haven't seen it and probably not going to, but like... I have. They're, they're evil. They're evil Russians and they're, they're wacky evil communists and they're, they're out to destroy our way of life and they're going to... They're going to kill Reagan and they're going to make us all adopt, uh, you know, socialism. Yeah, it's strange. Um, I I just finished the season the other day and it's just like, it's a baffling choice. Oh, (laughs) yeah, it just makes no sense in the narrative. I get it in terms of like 80s nostalgia, right? Everything we were just talking about, it's referencing those pieces of media. But at the same time, like, uh, just why? Another example I know of is... And again, something else I haven't seen, but the Chernobyl um, HBO show. And the, the showrunner has said something to the effect that, like, it wasn't his intention to to bash socialism or to bash kind of like state nationalization of energy companies or whatever. Um, it was more to show the dangers of, of nuclear proliferation um, and, and unchecked bureaucracy. But, like, people are taking it. <laughs> a, a lot of people online are, t- are, are taking it as a criticism of um of socialism right yeah i mean he could have chose to make any other kind of story uh but this is this is Fukushima what he yeah right and this is why he, he what he chose to make in, in this political climate too it seems somewhat irresponsible um almost stranger things season more than uh, season three more than chernobyl actually like, yeah. yeah to make the the russians like the explicit villains of your tv show uh, in a time where you know the Russiagate scandal is is just barely over, if it it will ever be over, it it will uh, never be over. <laughs> and all and also there, there's this wild clip. I actually retweeted it because it I, I just the framing of it was was like ridiculous. It's it's the one of the sisters of one of the characters. Um, yes, Erica Lucas's sister. Yeah, yeah. She she's like, I'll help you if like if you give me free ice cream. And that's capitalism, and it's a system of a free market where people like exchange goods and services in a mutually advantageous like exchange. And it it's literally just like this little like twelve year old girl saying like capitalism's great, and here's why. Yeah, it's really strange. It it kind of goes unremarked upon in the season, and then yeah. you know she's she's a pretty big player in the rest of the season. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just all baffling. It's it's not the worst. Uh, season of stranger things i think that's season two by far uh since it's just plot by plot beat the same as season one at least there's yes. some variation here uh yeah. but still i i can't wait for it just to all be over so we never have to think about it ever again <laughs> <laughs> and uh so so given uh going along with our promise to never uh think about red baiting media uh from the 80s ever again let's get back to our discussion on red heat <laughs> <Let's> go- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so a reason why we chose this film, because if you look at it at face value, it was kind of popular in the 80s. It was uh, during its first weekend at the box office, a box office hit. But then, um, similar to uh, our last episode on The Hulk, um, it just steeply declined after that. Mm -hmm. Um, The film was made for around $28 million 
its box office haul was only 35 million uh and if you compare that yeah. to other arnold films uh, the same year even we have twins with uh, danny devito that oh, movie yeah. was made for about 15 million and the box office haul was 216 million right um, even jim belushi who really never did numbers with any of his films they were never really box office smashes his film of the next year 1989 k9 which is like this buddy cop film with him and a, a german shepherd that movie was made for 17 million and it still made 78 million dollars um so you know contrast yeah. that with 28 million 35 million of red heat uh not not so hot haha <laughs> not so hot but at least they're not in the red <laughs> oh. Oh, we're canceled yeah. folks we're canceled. <laughs> we're canceled. Yeah. um we do have a a piece from a review here uh by hal hinson of the washington post and hinson writes red heat the new film starring arnold schwarzenegger and james belushi is fast and brutal in an up-to-the-minute hollywood fashion and that it attempts to capitalize on the thaw between this country and the Soviet Union adds a measure of topicality. But make no mistake about it. Even with the glasnost backdrop, Red Heat is far from custom-made. It's right off the assembly line. My guess is that if you laid the script of Red Heat on a scale, the needle would barely move. This movie, which was written by director Walter Hill, Harry Cleaner, and Troy Kennedy Martin, doesn't waste a lot of time on idle chat. It gets moving quickly and keeps moving. And if you like hardcore action peppered with fist-in-the-face comedy, and you're ambivalent about the need for characterization or story, then you may find the film satisfying. Yeah, so, I mean, he's not wrong here. <laughs> no, 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 it's it's pretty spot on. Yeah, I, I thought this section, it's the first paragraph or so of the review is accurate. Now, uh, I have another section of the review which I, I find uh, some problems with, and it's the last uh, paragraph of the review, actually. So, uh, Hal Henson continues uh, with... Hill continues the lack of personal involvement that began several films back, his assumption being, perhaps, that because Hollywood doesn't want his artistry, he will withhold everything but his proficiency. This is what happens when artists in Hollywood begin to think of themselves only as professionals, as men executing work for hire. This is not to say that Red Heat is poorly or even differently made. Some scenes, like the game of chicken played with buses, are like giant pranks, and there is audacity in the way they're shot. But for most of the film, Hill seems to only be going through the motions. His mannerisms, the snarled dialogue, the macho posturing, and the knowing world weariness are by now so familiar that they verge on parody. In Red Heat, Hill is spoofing himself, but it's a joyless exercise, and too much anger resignation seeps in for it to be very fun or very entertaining. I think that's true, too. The It does feel like going through the motions, but going back to that first paragraph... I kind of appreciate. I still appreciate how like efficient and economical this film was. It's only a hundred minutes, and that's definitely to its to its strength. Right. Yeah. The issues I have with this part are when he talks about like artistry and professionalism. Yeah. I yeah. 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 <laughs> what? <laughs> the the second I saw the the artistry and professionals, I'm like, oh, I, this is a Lewis part right here. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't think there's any problem with being a workman director i think you know no. throughout hollywood throughout uh most cinemas of the world there there have been and will always be those directors um and again you know it's it, it, this is 
uh, written by someone who must believe in the auteur theory that, you know, Hill is the only person who had, you know, any kind of uh, creative input in this film. No, I mean, he even says it earlier. There are other people who wrote this film along with Hill. There are people who are acting in this film. There are people who are making set decisions. Uh, You know, there's a cinematographer. So, you know, as much as a lot of people would like to believe, yeah, Walter Hill is the singular auteur that is that is not true but even if he was i I don't think there's anything wrong with uh making something that's as by the book as this movie but uh you know at the same time it would be nice for there to be better dialogue first of all he gets that right the dialogue is fucking trash in this movie yes yes it is um and just i i think we've touched on this in a previous episode i can't for the life of me remember which one it was um, I, I think people have this conception that like the director is, is is akin to the author of a book when there it it, it isn't quite so um, autorish like you were saying, um, and and even in a professional review like this, that kind of gets mu- that kind of like muddies the muddies the criticism. Right. It's like th- these people, you know, you don't even have to be on like a film set to understand this right like if you're a viewer you you know there are other people involved in this like if you watch the fucking credits of a movie there are names telling you that yeah (laughs) it's not just like one singular fucking name shows up no credits are fucking long like so yeah it's ridiculous um fuck this guy he's wrong on every count (laughs) and to piggyback off something else you were saying um the idea that like there's nothing wrong with doing um a workmanlike script or a workmanlike uh, story. Um, yeah, hell yeah. I mean, especially especially in uh, genre pieces. Um, right. There, there's only so much you can do and it. It's to keep it tethered to whatever tone or whatever kind of story you're going for. Um, there's, there's, there's only so much leeway you have with like just getting absolutely wildly creative. And that kind of thing is good too. But if you're, if you're going to make a buddy cop movie, there are certain things that you kind of can't get away from. Right, exactly. You know, with any genre of film or with most films in general, reviewers want to see the wheel reinvented. To to quote uh, to quote our our pro con hero Roger Ebert, it's not what the movie's about; it's how the movie's about. Oh, deep thoughts, folks. <laughs> yes, deep fucking thoughts. But you know, I have an example of this fucking Edgar Wright's last film, Baby Driver. You know, everybody mm-hmm. was super yep. excited for it. Oh, he's gonna make this heist musical film. I'm sorry, folks. Yep. It sucks. It's uninteresting. <laughs> like, it's a bad movie. That might be our our hottest collective take that Ed Wright's overrated. Yeah, I mean, is, ever since like Shaun of the Dead, and and then um, what's the other one? Scott hot Pilgrim. fuzz yeah after after hot fuzz basically when he starts with yeah. scott pilgrim and the other films like it's just kind of a steep decline his his end of the world sci-fi one is just unwatchable like i mean i actually wish it stuck closer to like sci-fi sci-fi tropes because it's huh. just it's not good it doesn't it doesn't do like the you know uh the like slacker gen x thing very well and it does the sci-fi stuff even worse Okay, that's kind of disappointing because I know that movie was supposed to be the end of the the Cornetto trilogy. Yep, started yeah. starting with Shaun of the Dead and, and, and Hot Fuzz. Yep, yeah. So um, again, folks, we got to get back to this movie, I guess, right? <laughs> hey, man. Sp- speaking speaking of the nature of the of the medium, the nature of the genre, this is a podcast. They're supposed to be rambling, wide ranging discussions. So <laughs> so uh, we're good fuck at you that. if you don't like this. <laughs> yeah, fucking log off. <laughs> Who should log off in real life? is <laughs> Jim Belushi. Yes. 
Jim Belushi, log off in real life. I don't know even what he does now. I don't care either. Fuck him. He's fine. He He's happy. He's happier than happier and more successful than either one of us will ever be. Yeah. Honestly. He had that TV show for according a while, to Jim. according to Jim. Right. So he's probably just like living off those royalties. Syndication money. Yeah. yeah. Um, all of his movies suck. Like, honestly, there's not a good movie that he's the star of. Uh, I remember watching on TV with my grandpa once this movie called the principal that he's in, where he plays the principal of like an inner city, New York school. Oh my, I can, I can even, I, can violence. Only, I already know what, what, what this movie is. He's just like showing tough love to the yep. black kids. Yep. Yeah. And then like, he just beats oh, some of them up. Like one of them, who's like the gang leader. Like you think he has to like fight him and kill him at the end. He, ki- I think he kills somebody. <laughs> he kills. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. This movie's fucking atrocious. It's so bad. Oh my fucking, he's like, and that's why you stay in school kids like, yeah yeah um, we'll have to do it because i think the gang members kill like one of his like favorite students like this like the good yes! student gets killed they and kill then, the like, good black kid yeah like... yeah exactly and then he has to like kill the gang members or something and then there's also a black teacher who makes it okay to have tough love because, yep yep yeah, he, he's like the black teacher he's like you kids are more racist than this good principal ever yeah. was or something. Oh, yeah. oh my. for sure. We it's, have it's, to see it's this. It's terrible. This yeah, we'll do the principal incredible. someday. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, and something else that he was in, um, we'll probably have to do. Maybe we should do this for the Christmas episode, Jingle All the Way. That's right. Because yeah. he and Arnold were in that. Yeah, yep, um, that's right. He he's, plays like the corrupt mob boss, Santa Claus. Incredible. Just he's, an incredible he's, he, filmography. <laughs> But yeah, he sucks in this movie. Um, there were a few moments where I thought he kind of like portrayed the world weariness like okay, but that's probably just because he's he's such a schlubby guy. Yeah. Um, basically, in this movie, he plays oh god, Art Art Sizdik. Is that his the name? Character. I had no idea what his name was. It's Art Sizdik or something. Some he he's a he's a beat cop or he's a detective and like he he's like cynical and shitty and he but he's still effective like that. That's that character type he plays. Right, right. Um, yeah, so kind of the plot beats of this film are um, we begin in the Soviet Union. There is a, a, a Georgian uh, crime lord um, whose name is like Rastov or something like that. A, cu- a couple of the different actors pronounced the names, the same names differently. Yeah. Which was confusing. Um, the main the main villain, we should probably get his name, I guess. Uh, Rust. Rustavili, Rustavil. Yeah, yeah. So and also um, he had he had a pseudonym for half the movie too, which was really confusing. Right. Yeah. I, his name is his first name is Victor. So we'll, let's just refer Vic, to yeah, him just as say Victor, Victor yeah, for the rest yeah. of this yeah. film. Um. So Arnold's character of Lieutenant Danko is in the Moscow militia, the Moscow police force. Um. He's trying to break up the drug ring. Uh. Run by Victor. Uh. He ends up killing Victor's brother, and then Victor kills Arnold's partner on the Moscow force. Uh, and then Victor goes to America, which then sets off the rest of the film where uh, Arnold, Lieutenant Danko, has to go to America and partner with Jim Belushi's character uh, right. to take down Victor, uh, who has now gotten... Uh, he. This is hilarious. He's basically oh my God, he allied is with... <laughs> incredible. <laughs> he basically allies with the Black Panthers, but they're called yes. the clean heads because they, sh- they have shaved heads. Yep, yep. Um, um, so yes, this movie is made in 1988, and the Black Panthers are still the bad guys. They're, they're they're not even the main villains; they're the henchmen of the main villain. 
Yeah, it's, Which it's it, ridiculous. They're cannon fodder. They're they're like yeah. stormtroopers for the main villain. It, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm not gonna try to remember Jim Belushi's character's name anymore. Um, because yeah, who cares? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. And fuck him. Um, so we'll just call him uh, Jim Officer Belushi. They they kind of set him up um, as a parallel to Donko. Um, he's like the American. He has the American version. His partner's killed, and the person who kills his partner kind of gets away. Um, so like like there, there's a little bit of like oh two cops from two countries, they're sending them up together, and when Donko comes to America, Jim Jim Belushi and his partner, um, they pick him up. And they, they kind of, they, the movie tries to set up like this banter, this like resentful, like, oh, I, I hate this guy so much, but we're, he's good. He's a good cop and we're working together and blah, 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 like very traditional cop genre stuff. But I don't, I don't know if it's a script in the, in the bad acting. It's probably both, but it's like, both. it's gotta be, yeah, <laughs> they, they just did not have a good dynamic. Like Arnold is completely monotone. Which is a function of the script because he's actually a decent actor, and Jim Belushi is just like talking a mile a minute, and he's so fucking obnoxious. Like the the writing, the the dialogue, and Jim Belushi's delivery of it just made me want to like smack him in the face. He's so yeah. bad. No, I mean every joke um, and any moment of banter really just falls flat in this movie. Mm-hmm. I was like expecting things to be funny and then i was like oh oh that's that's the last line of the scene and that's not funny none of this has been funny for the last five minutes great and then that just repeats over and over again oh you mean you didn't find it hilarious when jim belushi is leering at the prostitutes in the street corner like to his fellow officers and they find it disgusting but he keeps going yeah he just keeps going he just never gets like he just never gets the memo that no one likes his terrible jokes and 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 the other cops that he's waiting in the car with on the stakeout they're like dude shut the fuck up like that's that's wrong and it's gross anyway (laughs) he's like oh look look at her rack (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's his partner who dies who i don't know who the actor is but then there's lawrence fishburne who's like his commanding officer i think and like lawrence fishburne like hates him with a passion and it's great i mean it's a terrible role it's thankless he just yeah. like gina gershon's like Lawrence fishburne just really does nothing throughout he just like looks stuck up for the most of the movie i thought they were gonna do like a reveal where he was a black panther character too oh i thought like, so too. like that had yeah. that had infiltrated the police force because he's the only black cop in the yeah that, that's like that gets any speaking lines yeah and he, he has a very like malcolm x look about him too yeah like, yeah like, the horn rim glasses malcolm x wears and like yes. the nice suit and everything and i was like what are they doing here i was like what is gonna yes. happen with this character and nothing the answer is nothing useless nope. character no nope. um even peter boyle you know who plays the frankenstein's monster in young frankenstein and of mm-hmm. course uh <laughs> ray romano's dad in everybody loves raymond yes um, he he's like he's the other Ugh. commanding officer um one up from Lawrence Fishburne, I think, and like, yeah, again, useless character. And, and that's just a that's a very obvious and glaring like script issue. Like another draft of the script would have just made those two characters the same character because they're essentially they serve the same function. Right. Yeah. They both they, hate Jim Belushi. <laughs> they're they're both Jim Belushi's commanding officer that don't like him, and that's it. Like yep. they, they they agree on everything. They talk to each other and they agree. There there's no point to having that role filled by two people. Right. Yeah. Really strange. Um, so yeah, I would say the, the best parts of this film are 
some of the action set pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, the opening scene is great, and it's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. the actual only scene that Walter Hill did not write. Um, he actually bought this scene off of Harry Kleiner, who uh, is a more established uh, screenwriter. He wrote sure. Bullet, the 1968 uh, Steve McQueen, San okay. Francisco cop drama. Uh, but yeah, so he was going to write some movie that took place in Russia. Actually, Harry Kleiner is from Russia, born in Russia. And uh, yeah, Walter Hill knew him and was like, because they both worked on Bullet together. Actually, Walter Hill was some kind of assistant director or something on sure. Bullet. Uh, so he was like, I really like this scene. I don't want to make your movie, but uh, I will buy this off of you. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. And yeah, that that is like the best scene of the film. Yeah. Walter Hill even admits it. Um, he, he said previously, like, yeah, it's the only good scene in this movie. This movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it opens up, and, like, we open up on this giant ripped guy who's just pumping iron. No, he, he's shoveling coal into a yeah. furnace. Yep. And then we follow this guy into a sauna where people are pumping iron and swimming, and everyone's, like, naked. It's just, like... Yeah. Men and women just like swimming and, and working out and sitting yeah, in the in sauna this, in this giant like sauna bathhouse. Very, yeah. yeah, like Russian tons of ass house. everywhere. Yeah, tons of TNA <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Um, no dicks, unfortunately. There's no dicks. Yeah, no dicks. They're traditional loincloths. Um, yeah. But the guy that the, I guess the one confusing part of the scene is like the guy that we follow into the sauna. It isn't Arnold, and then it kind of no. jumps to Arnold weirdly. I think it's his partner. Actually, I think we follow his partner. Okay, yeah. But then later, yeah. like, he just has the coat on so much, like, you can't really tell how, like, jacked he is. Yeah, and he's wearing a hat, too. And he's wearing a hat later, yeah. and he's just kind of a nondescript, like, yeah, blonde, Guy, blue-eyed, yeah. like, dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, who has five lines and is killed. But yeah, so so basically Arnold and his partner are trying to find, um, they're trying to find out where, what's the villain's name? Victor. Victor is. Victor, Yeah. And um, so, so they they have like a contact. They they have a, a lead in the sauna. Um, and then when they find the lead, he's like, he grabs Arnold's hand. He's like, "This is not the hand of a factory worker. If you really work with steel, you won't be afraid of the heat." And so they drop a, like a heating rock into his hand, and he yes. holds onto it. That that was that was such a cool bit. That's just like classic, like these Eastern European hardworking like criminals. They they know what's up, and like they know. They know how to fight back against the cops, and the cops know how to take it and fight back against them. And then Arnold just punches him in the face out the window. Yeah, so he punches him out of the bathhouse onto uh, the snowy landscape below. Yeah, and they continue this fight. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's it's similar to like the Eastern Promises Vigo Mortensen bathhouse fight. It's a shorter fight, probably mm-hmm. why like no one cares about it. No one talks about it. Um, besides, like obviously Red Heat being a trash movie no one cares about anymore yes. anyway um <laughs> yes. but yeah it is like a naked loincloth uh bathhouse fight that uh sprawls out into a snow fight um but yeah it's short he gets his information uh they go to where this like bar where uh, victor yeah. and his friends are um and and notably victor and all his friends I, we, we mentioned this they're georgian um yes and mm-hmm. and they're they're the Georgia USSR um, Georgia Russia relationship is historically been very fraught, um, and and we did some brief research on this one actually. That's uh, because <laughs> I we it it, kind of, it pretty much started because Stalin himself was um, 
was Georgian, and when he died in the anti-Stalinization process was kicked into gear in the 50s. Um, there, there were uprisings in Georgia partially due to that. And then ever since, Georgia has had kind of this like infamously corrupt government shepherded by the, by the ineffectual USSR management of, of Georgia and other associated uh, Soviet satellite states. And basically just lots of, lots of resentment between the two uh, ethnic groups. Yeah, so at first they're like, oh, you're trying to arrest us because we're Georgian. Uh, yeah. And then this is another this is another cool beat here. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arnold, like, takes one of the guys and he, like, starts beating on him. And then he goes to, like, what seems like break the guy's leg in half. Yeah, But yeah. the guy actually has a wooden prosthetic leg. Yes. And inside there's a bunch of cocaine. Yeah. So he drops all the cocaine. And it's actually an amazing line reading, too. Like, he says, cocaineum. Yeah, like, what the fuck is that? Is that, like, the Russian word for cocaine? Like. I don't know. I. I mean, maybe maybe this movie's given this is given the movie too much credit, but like, it seemed like he was mocking the Georgian's accent or something or like way of oh. talking, and he's like, "Oh, you you fucking hicks! This is how you would say the word cocaine while spitting your face, kind of thing." Maybe I don't know. I don't know. And then so yeah, there's a, there's a chase scene there. This is the scene where uh, Arnie kills Victor's brother, and then Victor kills uh, Arnold's uh, partner, and then we're quickly shuttled out of the ussr to chicago um and actually the first shot we see in chicago is on like a levi's jeans billboard <laughs> it's like yeah. you arrived in america now here's yep, capitalism welcome. and then i think the first scene is officer jim belushi leering at the prostitutes yep leering at the prostitutes and then uh going to a drug bust basically yep. with uh, with the black panther proxy characters the clean heads yeah yep and that's yep. where he realized not only he is misogynistic, but he's also racist. Uh, so yes. on brand for police officers. <laughs> on brand for Chicago police officers. For, yeah, for Chicago uh, <laughs> specifically, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, so that's a bunch of bullshit. Like there's like some key. It's a bunch of some, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It's just like there's a MacGuffin with this key to a safe. At, a st- no, a storage, to a locker. A storage locker. Yeah, storage yeah. locker at a bus depot. Yep. Uh, that has like cocaine or money in it or something. It doesn't fucking matter. I I believe it's the money that Victor at the end of the movie hands off to the drug dealers who who give him the cocaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's correct. Um, so a lot of the movies re- revolves around that MacGuffin. Um, one of the there's two I would say two to three scenes that are worthwhile in this film outside of the opening scene yeah that's i i can agree um it again getting back to that like journeyman director work for hire uh stuff it's it's certainly competently made um and like you were saying there, there are cool a couple cool sequences but a lot of it just blends together in my mind mm-hmm. like a lot of the plot yep. it's it's just police procedural stuff it's just they go to prison to to get Ivan or to get Victor, but then Victor escapes, and then they have a shootout with some criminals, and they try to they try to track Victor down, and they and Jim Belushi shows Ivan like, oh, this is how Americans live, and this is our way of life, and stuff. It, it just a lot of it's very indistinguishable from the rest. Yeah, definitely rinse repeat for that kind of shit. Definitely, um, 
there is a secondary uh, jail sequence. Uh, there's the sequence you just mentioned where they, they get Ivan out of prison. Yes. Or uh, Victor out of prison, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Who cares? Whatever his name is. Um, and then there's a, a sequence in prison mm-hmm. where they, they go to meet the, uh, the like, de facto head of the clean heads. Yeah. Um, the, oh, my God. The, his name is uh, the Huey P. Elijah. Newton character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what is Elijah Abdullah. Elijah Abdullah. Uh, Abdul Elijah Muhammad. That's is his it. Name. It's, which yeah. is like, uh, take take the average white suburbanites' collective knowledge of of black revolutionaries, throw it in a blender, and that's the results. Yeah, um, but Nick and I both agree that he is the best character in the movie. Absolutely. However, hell yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. He's, he he's basically riffing on the Black Panthers. They're called the Clean Heads, but like they're just the Black Panthers with with the the serial serial numbers filed off. Yep. So, so Jim Belushi and and Ivan go to prison because they they know that the cleanheads are working with Victor to spread drugs throughout this, the, the the city or whatever, which is which is very not a Black Panther thing by the way historically, but um whatever, right. fuck, fuck this movie. So they go to the prison and the scene is set up. The Elijah character he's sitting on like this throne and like these these jacked guys are all surrounding him like his bodyguards and um. Jim Belushi, he's talking mile a minute, and he he's just saying like pretty awful shit. And he's like, "Oh, look look at this guy. They they're called the clean heads because like that's how they identify themselves. I guess that rule doesn't doesn't apply to their glorious leader because like the Elijah character, he he still has his hair and his mustache right, and stuff. Right. So like it's just like this subtle jab, like oh see like black revolutionaries, they're they're the real hypocrites. Like they they love their leader, but like they they demand obedience. It, it's just real." real hacky shit but then ivan ivan and elijah have a have a sit down it's actually kind of sympathetic to elijah because he's like yeah i'm i'm a black revolutionary i was thrown in jail for robbing a store and i lived here all my life i i've been edu- i've been educated like i educated myself and like i'm i'm a real marxist not you guys over not you guys over in the ussr yeah, he was like, "Yeah, you guys in the USSR, you still exploit people." I guess I'm the real Marxist yeah. here. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong, folks. Yeah. No. Um, also, so they not only want to deal drugs um, in the city of Chicago, but they want to deal drugs internationally. That's how Victor uh, comes in. Obviously, right, they want right. to export drugs to the USSR. Um, but I am okay with that because yeah, for, it's for the express purpose of like killing all white people. Uh, <laughs> I so. mean, that's what they say. They're like, we, we want to get rid of what like, we want to like poison the white man all over the, over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's really not what the black Panthers are doing. I mean, it's, it's not, yeah, not at all. I mean, that's yeah. not, they, they <laughs> yes. didn't do that folks, but like in, in, in this film, uh, they wouldn't be wrong. Fine. if They did. They wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> if they did, Right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, there, there's even this line, there's this exchange where Ivan's like, in 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 Moscow, we we don't have Miranda rights. Like, I'll cut off your balls if like you don't cooperate. And Elijah's like, "Well, I'm a holy man. I don't need my balls." <laughs> and yeah, then, and then he's like, "Oh, I'll uh, I'll take out your eyes." And then like Elijah Muhammad like lifts his sunglasses and he's actually blind. Yeah, so he's like, "Oh, uh, fuck you! I don't." <laughs> yeah, you got nothing yeah, on you, me. He was, Go fuck he was yourself. Cool. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Yeah, and talking about the Miranda rights, there's there's a lot of scenes oh that kind of God, posit fuck this that. Movie. Uh, yeah, no, the Miranda rights. Fuck this movie ridiculous. so hard. Yeah, there there's just a lot in this film 
that tries to draw these parallels between uh, how cops in the USA and the USSR are basically the same and terrible. Although I don't Which think that's is the true. express purpose. <laughs> it's true. I, I think it's our read. It's yes. not the intentional read of this film uh, or the intended read of this film. In addition to the agonizingly awful um, Miranda writes, they're a joke. Or is it just a woman? Ha ha ha. Like gag. Right. Um, right. In addition to that, there, who, who's the the actor that plays the cop, the cop, uh, the commissioner? Oh, Peter Boyle. P- yeah, Peter Boyle. He has this line. He says, "Cops are cops the world over," which is true, but yeah. take you in a very different context than which wh- than what was intended. Right. Yeah. He's he's not saying a cab, uh, <laughs> yes. but uh, he should be. Yes. And then Gina Gershon comes in, and and she's a good actress too, but her, she has such a thankless role here um she god this movie is so fucking reactionary because she's literally a green card wife for right for victor yep. for victor that's how he 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 established himself in chicago and they find she, she's te- this is so 80s too she's teaching like an aerobics class and uh later we we learn that it's actually an aerobics class um paid by the city of chicago yes uh, and it's a social program yep. basically for um troubled youth and she has this line that she says and really like this is the only reason she exists in this movie Mm -hmm. uh is to deliver this line and she says the city pays me 584 an hour to teach kids to dance they hope won't turn into junkies victor gave me 10 grand just to marry him you figure it out so that's uh, the this movie in a nutshell is that like (laughs) it really is it's it's like it's anti-green card marriages it's anti-social programs and again there's our read of this where it's like yeah reagan's america made it so that the social safety net was shredded uh and you have to turn to stuff like you know helping an international drug dealer out uh to uh to make ends meet but that's obviously not what this this movie is (laughs) so wild but like every everything we're finding wrong with this movie there is an inverse leftist application for that for that problem um so yeah like really this movie despite itself really is it it, it's it's a strong indictment of the 80s and the early 90s yeah for sure but uh, just completely unwittingly Mm -hmm. yeah um so some of the other set pieces action set pieces that are decent um are a hotel shootout that's kind of the second act closing scene and this revolves around the key actually that we mentioned the MacGuffin. so victor and the the clean heads are trying to get this key and they're staking out arnold in this hotel that he's been staying at this like you know roach motel or some part of chicago very classic like literally right beneath one of like the the elevated subways yes the classic chicago scene Mm mm-hmm yeah, so they they raid his room. Or they try to raid his room actually, but um, they they first go to this room where uh, there's a sex worker and her John, and uh, they they actually shoot the John dead as he he's exiting the shower. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, it it plays with like the the tight hallways and the different uh, doors and rooms and and things. It's it's like a well constructed scene. I really appreciated. Sure. Yeah, yeah how that scene was constructed um the different perspective shots and there were there were a couple angles where like arnold had his back against the wall like trying to edge over to the open door and then um 
the camera can see through that door and then it can see through another door down the hallway and then like another door in the room down the hallway and right. having having like those those different like little sectioned sectioned off areas of like perspective was really cool yeah yeah it really plays with the deep focus i guess that can be our term uh, for this episode what is deep focus oh deep focus is when um so in a shot there's foreground middle ground background um and shallow focus would be the foregrounded image in focus middle ground and background most likely out of focus uh so blurry uh but with shots like those in this scene they're deep focus meaning all three segments are in focus um so yeah it's just how you focus the camera sure um and you know especially interesting with films like this that were ostensibly shot on film i don't think really they would have shot on digital until well into the you know uh 90s or early 2000s uh actually phantom menace was one of the first ones to shoot on digital i think yes i think that is Um, true and then all the star wars the other um prequels were also the first films to be fully shot on digital so uh yeah this is definitely shot on film and it uh you have to like measure uh with an actual tape measure like your focus because there's a focus ring on a camera and then you have to like measure out how far okay. you want to go with focus so then you turn the 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 knob on the camera to okay yeah i want 50 feet of focus i want 100 feet of focus um so yeah that's that's what deep focus is cool the, the nuts and bolts of cinema this is this is how the sausage is made folks the magical sausage <laughs> of cinema um yes. but yeah that that's a great scene um another thing that you had mentioned that i also appreciated the the sex worker does get to kill somebody which is pretty dope yeah unlike gina gershon's character she actually like kind of does something in the <laughs> she has more um, of a she has more of an impact on this plot than gina gershon because gina gershon's impact on the plot happens all off screen right she yep. she marries victor but that happens before we even meet her right yeah whereas the sex worker actually saves arnold's life because she shoots one of the the clean heads yep she does and he's just about to kill arnold and also, she is not unceremoniously killed off screen again, just like Gina Gershon. Yeah, that's a crazy thing. The, the The last time we see her character is her corpse in a body bag. Yep. Yeah. Arnold, like, um, I guess this is another okay scene. There's the scene where one of uh, Victor's uh, Russian henchmen kills another Russian henchman. Okay, this is convoluted. So, <laughs> this, uh, so this movie's way. It has to be noted, this movie is way more convoluted than it has any right to be for 100 oh, yeah, minutes. For sure. Yeah, so Jim Belushi's partner is killed in the beginning of the film yep. by a Russian working with the clean heads and Victor. Yes. Um, who uh, disguises himself as like a security guard. Yep. Um, so they're leaving like this courtroom or something, this courthouse, and he kills Jim Belushi's partner. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a Dark Knight Joker thing. That's what I was thinking of, like like this. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the mm. the henchmen are disguised um, in as cops. Oh, they're all disguised as um, as uh, cops. They're disguised as the the what's that fucking thing called? A uh, oh security armored car. Armored, yeah, armored car. Armored yeah, car. Armored yeah, car yeah. guards. Yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. Again, it, it's very much like a Batman villain setup. Like they're all they're all in disguise, and then they they come in, they they free the leader, and they escape. Most of them escape except one Russian guy who kills Jim Belushi's partner. Then he's shot and he's put in like a police hospital or something. It's like attached to the p- 
police precinct even it seems i don't know he he's just in intensive care and he's under guard is the point yeah I guess. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly so uh later there's a scene where another russian goes to kill him so he doesn't speak right you know he doesn't he doesn't blab on on their plans uh and he like puts a air bubble in his iv to like you know yeah, air bubble goes to his brain and kills him um but that that other russian is dressed like a female nurse yeah dressed up in drag and um yeah oh my i the second the second i even saw that character i'm like is that a guy in drag and are they gonna make the joke with jim belushi and of course they do because yes. jim, jim belushi's like oh man get a load of her ass yeah she's hot blah 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 and like yeah arnold just like rolls his eyes and then after the chase scene is over after arnold shoots shoots him jim belushi's like oh my god i was hitting on a guy that's disgusting it's like we get some casual transphobia here too of course yeah yep. um, very um, 80s yeah and then Gina Gershon's in this scene is really the only reason I mention it. Yeah, yeah. Arnold like lets her go at this scene because actually she gets in between Arnold and the other Russian. Like yes. she stops him from shooting him, but again he still does shoot him. Dead. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, she runs to the basement and she's Arnold has her cornered and he, and she's like, please let. She she explains herself like I'm I'm desperate. I just I needed I needed money to have a better life or whatever. That's why I did this. And then he shoots a lock and lets her escape. Yeah. So still, that that scene, in terms of her character, has yeah. has really no bearing on the plot. Um, I don't even know why she's involved in that scene. I, I guess I, I took it as it, it kind of humanizes Ivan a little bit. It, right. It, it, mm-hmm. it, he has some sympathy for someone in a tough situation. Right. So again, it has uh, bearing on his character. Yes, on him, on him, not on yeah. And, yeah. and it has bearing on on the thematic elements because that's when she says the thing about the social programs yes. as well. Yes. Um, and and also we needed some some casual transphobia in this movie too. Yeah, casual <laughs> transphobia, and we needed another character who's a woman who speaks. Right. I mean, because there's like the secretary in the in the police precinct, and that's about it. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the sex worker. I mean, you know. Yeah. And again, she the, does something at least. Yeah, that's true. Um, what a fucking crazy movie! Why this movie, this movie is wild, and and like, this is a weird movie. It it's not that it feels its length. It it almost feels like like it didn't feel like a long movie when I was watching it, but there is so much in it that it it felt like it should have been longer, but I didn't want it to be longer. If that makes sense, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. like more more movies need to be a nice trim hundred minutes. You know. We, Yep. little a little over an ha- uh, hour and a half not quite two hours just get in get out that's all we need but weirdly this movie needed more room to expand on its like on all the craziness going on in it yeah it did need a little bit more room to breathe um but again you know i think that's a part of the workman efficiency yep. of of walter hill films they're really never all that long or drawn out warriors is a pretty short movie not much happens in that movie just you know scene to scene they run around here they fight a gang here they find another gang here like how the hell does this movie end <laughs> like how the hell uh, does it, it end? ends with a a bus uh chase scene <laughs> a, bu- a bus a bus chase scene that becomes a game of chicken yes yeah so as we mentioned the key is to a locker in uh, a Greyhound Depot. And actually, we should mention one of the best oh. characters, the second best character in this film, um, yes. Jim Belushi's brother-in-law. Ex-brother-in-law. E- ex-brother-in-law. You're right, yeah. Because there's... Oh, yeah, this is funny. The scene where they're, like, trying to humanize uh, Ivan and, like, uh, 
yeah bolster the like uh camaraderie between belushi and arnold schwarzenegger they're talking about each other's like families yep. and like their dead parents yep. and like i don't think ivan has any siblings or no, if he, he does he i don't remember yeah. uh and then belushi's like yeah i have a sister and she's crazy she she's like divorced and uh my brother-in-law sucks yep yep and um that 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 whole scene and that it was in a diner like at two yeah the diner morning, scene <laughs> yeah. that scene was so agonizing because like the 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 only waitress the only other person in the scene she it's not like she's hitting on Jim Belushi but she's like nice to him she's like oh you want some more coffee and like Jim Belushi he he's such an asshole throughout the whole movie he's he's just like hitting on women just like leering at them and when one woman finally like talks to him in a normal way and gives him like a is like smiles at him and is nice to him he's like. Give it a rest, doll. Like the my, the color of my coffee is the only thing that's been going. The only thing today that's gone my way. So like, fuck off. So yeah, like, that's right. The color of the coffee line was so strange. Yeah, and just to be like so awful to this waitress. It was such like a shitty like kind of like film noir line. Like, oh, the color of my coffee. Yeah. It's like the only good thing that's been going for me today. But he delivers it so poorly, and he's such an asshole to like the one female character that is like that treats him like anywhere close to normally because he's not leering at her. It, it just, it, it was such yeah. a weird contradiction of, of the, of like the shitty underwritten parts of this character, just like colliding. Yeah, definitely. So of course, in very Hollywood fashion, you can't just mention something without like there being some end to it later yes, or like, yes. it, or for it to, to actually be part of the plot. So, um, you know, Belushi doesn't just mention his sister-in-law or his, his, his sister, and that she's divorced just to actually like be part of this scene. Later on, mm-hmm. we meet his ex-brother-in-law, this guy named Pat, who's a locksmith. Aha! How do they find where this key goes to? Uh, his yes. brother is a locksmith. Yes. His brother-in-law is a locksmith. Um, and Pat the locksmith, I, you know, this is this guy's a great character actor. I don't know his name, but um, he's just like this tall, fat guy with a mustache and curly hair. And he, he's kind of like a proto MRA guy. Like he's just like talking about how terrible uh, Belushi's sister is. And like, he talks about like alimony and like family court type shit. It's just, it's an absurd character. It almost like, he's almost there almost to uh, like humanize Belushi more. Cause it's like, this is an actual terrible misogynist, right guys? It's like, no, no, they both are. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, at least it's such a classic MRA thing too. It's like, oh Women, women are out to get you, but like the ones that are related to you, they're the good ones, and, and that's yeah. exactly Jim Belushi's like position mm-hmm. here. Like his sister's good, but like all all these all these ungrateful women out there that don't appreciate him. I would, at least there's one good woman, and of course it's my sister. Yep. Yeah. No, it's absurd. Uh, yeah. So they go to the bus depot, and uh, Ivan steals a well oh sorry victor yeah the bad guy steals a bus and then ivan donko arnold schwarzenegger steals a bus yep. and they uh, are just chasing each other throughout the streets of uh, chicago there's a lot of uh, destruction of buildings and he actually he destroys like a fountain some too, kind of like, yeah some kind of monument some kind of monument like jim belushi's like hey you destroyed one of our uh, uh, our monuments that's a chicago monument yeah uh, which is great because none of the Russian monuments get destroyed. And yeah. as we said previously, they're statues of Lenin and Marx. Yeah, so, there's, a, there's a very cool Marx statue prominently in one shot, I remember. Yeah, take that, America. Take that, America. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the chase culminates and they, they play a game of chicken. Um, 
And of course, fail son, fuck up Jim Belushi. Um, he's the one that grabs the wheel from Arnold and he, he swerves aside and they, they tip over. And then does, does Victor's bus crash into a train or something? Yeah, Victor's bus tra- crashes into a train. They get to a train yard, and that's the last scene of um, this this chase. And uh, yeah, there's like the steam coming off of the train or yeah. something, or yeah. from the wreck, and he, they can't see each other. Victor actually survives the crash. He gets out, and Arnold survives his crash because his 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 uh, bus crashes as well. And they're they're coming towards each other, and they can't see each other through this this fog or steam or whatever. And uh, Arnold uh, just shoots Victor like a thousand times, and he and he's dead. Yeah, it's 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 kind of anticlimactic. They they just walk towards each other, and the ambiance is cool. But Victor just uh, Arnold just blasts him. Yeah, uh, and we should say his gun is kind of cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not a real gun, so it's like this fictional gun called the Podbarin, uh, and it's a, it's a handgun. It's actually a modified Desert Eagle mm. with. Uh, a different barrel to resemble a, a Walther uh, pistol, which right. is kind of like the pistol that um, James Bond uses. Yeah. It, it's pretty big too. It's like a giant gun. Handgun. Yeah, it's gigantic. It, it reminded me of RoboCop a little bit. His gun. Yeah, definitely. And RoboCop again, I don't think that's a real gun. No, either. no, I that's, that's another, that's a sci-fi thing. Yeah. Sci-fi modified handgun. Um, and uh, just a shout out again uh, to Internet Movie Firearm Day. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I don't know oh, yeah. about guns, but they had uh, they had a profile on this gun. So yeah. And then the movie ends. They Jim Belushi sees off um, Ivan at the airport, and they exchange watches because there, there was some dumb bullshit. Yep. They they set up. Oh, we both have watches. Blah blah. blah nice watch. And yeah. um, the last joke though is that Ivan's watch. It's just like this assembly line piece of crap and and um yeah from like east germany yeah like cost 20 bucks yeah. or something in jim belushi's watch he's like oh my father wore this in world war ii and he passed it down yeah. to me <laughs> it's like it's like it's like a thousand dollar watch it's like indestructible and ivan only tells him that it's a piece of his watch was a piece of crap after they trade <laughs> just yep yep i actually don't think he tells him i think he just like reads the back of the watch or something yeah like, yeah oh yeah. 20 bucks yeah. east germany oh <laughs> Uh, and then the last shot is just uh, Ivan Arnold Schwarzenegger in Red Square, just like walking towards the camera with like a grin on his face. It's so funny because like it's it's just like this sh- like this just wide angle shot of Red Square, and doesn't like Arnold just like pop up from the from below? He just like stands Something like up. That. It's yeah, so, it's, it's so absurd. abrupt and weird. It's a, it's like yeah. he's like oh, hey, I'm here. Yeah, it's it's a weird cut to begin with because it's like yeah, it goes from them in the airport and then just like. Bloop, cut to it's not even like you don't even see like an airplane it's just like cut to red yeah screen, yeah yeah like and then here's arnold end of movie yep it's what a what a weird film what a yeah shitty weird film fucking wild folks um so we only have one worker of note uh yeah, <laughs> his name it. is uh wayne fitzgerald and he is the title designer oh uh, yeah for the film cool uh i appreciated the opening and closing credits the uh it's like these neon-esque titles uh red neon and uh the r's and the n's of uh, people's names are are backwards to kind of uh mimic uh cyrillic yes yes yeah that's about it though i don't the score was fine yeah let's go it was serviceable there was some cool 80s synth stuff and and like moody atmospheric stuff but whatever yeah 
think James Horner did that. Yeah. So a uh, broke recommendation, um, I guess I would say 80s man children who like who need some weird crappy cop macho fodder just to warm up to democratic socialism <laughs> because like because <laughs> this movie isn't overtly anti-socialist um i remember there's one scene where uh arnold and jim belushi are driving in the car and arnold's driving and he's driving crazy and jim's like oh easy don't crush into anything my insurance will skyrocket like in and arnold's like in in russia we we don't have to worry about about insurance government pays for everything <laughs> just like, yeah yeah and that wasn't like a butt of a joke or anything it was just like oh yeah that's better that'd be a better way these people from two different worlds and isn't it crazy that they both have their advantages and disadvantages yeah yeah pretty simple um our woke recommendation is uh this is for all you hollywood producers out there who are listening to our podcast um you should make more content that is uh less blatantly red baiting and uh just shorter Yes, too. like please, you know, love of Christ. especially if you're making a, a genre film, a genre comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason for it to be over two hours, or really to be over a hundred minutes. Yeah, just, like just keep it neat, folks. Get in, get out. It didn't. You don't need to drive everything out. Um, bespoke recommendation um, is for any American who's still under the delusion that the Black Panthers were anything but national heroes because they were. And their their legacy is very easy to tarnish. Um, Black Marxists, black revolutionaries, black insurrectionists um, have every right to be resentful of of the shitty racist country. Um, And it's it's really cheap. It's a really cheap racist point to make them into disposable villains. Um, Notably, Forrest Gump did that. Um, Really disgusting. Oh, yeah. Disgusting. Fuck Forrest Gump. Yeah. Um, Fuck that movie. And... I guess the last remaining point that we can say is that uh, this movie is at the crossroads of the '80s, as we were saying, with, with the Soviet, um, with the Soviet state opening up to become more Westernized and Americanized. Um, the villains, the stock villains in Hollywood, moved shifted from uh, red baiting evil Soviets to uh, non-white people in American cities, and the rise of like uh, drug-related criminal blight and it, it's super overt in this movie and and fuck that racist nonsense yeah definitely no fuck that it's interesting i think walter hill is more of a reactionary in real life than um he's led on he's not someone who talks much about politics but mm-hmm. he is good friends with john milness uh-huh, who directed yep. red yep. dawn yep. and uh, john milness actually did write two movies for walter hill yep. he wrote um extreme prejudice which was made in 1987 which is kind of a wild bunch sam peckinpah remake okay. but it's specifically about the war on drugs and um it takes place at the southern border i think it takes place in like texas arizona something like that and goes into parts of mexico very right. uh, cartel uh villains so yeah i think this is this is very much um in in the continuity of that war on drugs um 80s 90s cinema um, and, and just by putting the Black Panthers in there is a real disservice to, like Nick just said, uh, American heroes who were, yeah, they, first of all, they were like all dead or in prison yep. by the 80s. Yep. Uh, so, and they were not drug dealers. And you know what? If they did, like, fuck it. Like, <laughs> gotta make money. And you gotta make money to, like, you gotta fund the revolution give people somehow. lunch. Yeah. Right. You gotta fund the revolution. Like, that. they they did lunch programs for kids. Yep. Like, but but it, it should be noted the Black Panthers were were very much anti drug. Yeah, right. Um so yeah, Google Fred Hampton folks. Mm-hmm. Uh awesome dude, killed by the state. In Chicago too. 
wasn't it? In Chicago. Yeah. Yep. yep. I guess that's I guess correct. that's as positive a spin we can put on this ending as possible. Um, rest in power for Fred Hampton. Yep, definitely. Um, his son is still around. His son's yeah. still alive. Fred Hampton Jr. Yep. Um, and I know his his home, Fred Hampton's uh, childhood home, I believe, was being sold at some point recently. And there was like a GoFundMe yeah. to purchase it and make it into a museum. I'm not sure where that landed. Also, I believe Asada Shakur is, um, I think she's in Cuba. She's still alive in Cuba. She's still alive in Cuba. And at some point um, with the kind of warming of relations a lot of chuds i know were like oh we're gonna get us out of shakur now that like we're gonna do extradition to cuba and no the answer is that's never gonna fucking happen you idiots she's gonna live out her life in cuba uh fuck you all chuds watch red heat this can like slowly this can maybe be some like very gentle agitprop to like slowly uh radicalize chuds like if if because chuds are into like arnold schwarzenegger and 80s cop movies and shit like that so if we if we show them this maybe they'll be like Maybe the little the little germ of doubt will be implement like will be stuck in their minds. They'll be like, oh, maybe maybe it's not so bad to to live in a socialist state. Yeah, and I want to issue a secondary bespoke recommendation. Oh yeah, uh, this is for uh, high school history and economics teachers yes. out there. Show your kids this movie <laughs> instead of the 1984 uh, Robin Williams film Moscow on Hudson, which happened to me. <laughs> My high school economics teacher showed us the Robin Williams film Moscow on Hudson. Oh, where my God. Robin Williams plays a Soviet uh, saxophone jazz jazzist uh, who some for some reason goes to New York and defects because uh, malls are cool and great. So so bringing it back to Stranger Things season three. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's very similar to the, the scientist plot in Stranger Things season three. So, yeah, high school. Uh, economics and history teachers uh, show Red Heat instead of Moscow and Hudson. Although you might have to have like kids' uh, parents like sign some kind of waiver because it is R-rated and there's a lot of boobs. Or just or just cut the middleman and show them the autobiography of Malcolm X. Yeah, that's true. Again, you probably they would have to actually. You no, know no, I watched that in in college, so you don't have to have that waiver. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Um, rest in power, Fred Hampton. We'll see you next time. Dos vidania. Forever in friendship and labor, our mighty republics will ever endure. The great Soviet Union will live through the ages, a dream of a people, their fortress secure. Long live our Soviet motherland. Built by the people's mighty hand Long live our people United and free Strong in our friendship Tried by fire Long may our crimson flag inspire Shining in glory For all men to see Through days Dark and stormy, while great Lenin led us, our eyes saw the bright sun of freedom.